Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Kimberly Spencer on the line. Kimberly, how are you? I'm doing extraordinary. How are you? I am awesome. You are the founder and CEO of Crown Yourself. Now, when I saw that title, I had a really good idea what that meant. But uh, tell the audience you know, why you came up with this organization, the work that it does, and this awesome work that you do. Yeah, so I came up with the idea for Crown Yourself when I was on my honeymoon, because prior to that, three weeks before I got married, I was bought out of my first e-commerce company, and I was on my honeymoon, like, well, now what? <laughs> so, and my husband and I are, are very big, big visioners, and um, he's an entrepreneur as well, and so we're just talking through, like, what is it that I wanted to do? Something that really gave me holistic success, because I'd never had... Um, a business. I'd had my e-commerce business and I'd had my uh, fitness business. And then like even earlier, I was a screenwriter in Hollywood. I had my first film produced, which I thought was going to be the, the, the highlight, the thing that I've always dreamed of happening. And in each occasion, whether it was, you know, teaching Pilates or in, as the president of my e-commerce company or as a screenwriter, I found myself 90% fulfilled. It was never a hundred percent. And I was like, what is this? Especially with the screenwriting, that one was a big wake up call because that one was a lifelong, that was a childhood dream come true. And I'm there at the premiere and I'm like, huh, only 90%. Um, and it was because really what, what I saw that, that I love so much and that I do and the business that I've always been in is transforming people's stories. And so when I was in my, when I was screenwriting, what I loved was two weeks after the film premiered, a friend of a friend who had come to the premiere with her son uh, messaged me and said, Hey, your film changed my life, like changed my son's life. Like he changed his direction. He changed who he was hanging out with. He stopped doing drugs. And I was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. Like that's that's it. And then with Pilates, it was changing people's stories about their bodies and helping them feel more confident because I had never felt confident in my body until then. And with my e-commerce company, we sold a back stretching device, and that was to be able to change, transform people's stories around their back pain. And fortunately, it took me it took me a little while to figure that out as far as like what my genius zone is. But Crown Yourself really is the amalgamation of all the things that I've always loved doing, do well, and it's re- take, and it really fulfills that early childhood dream of wanting to be a princess. And so I figured I'd just build a business around it, <laughs> around really stepping into what it means to be queen. Because when I look at the parallels of a queen and a, and a uh, entrepreneur, they're very similar. I mean, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, so often they're doing all the things. And when you think about growing your business, a lot of times a common mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs make is that they think that they're going to be doing the same things when their business is pulling in multiple six figures a year or multiple million dollars a year, and they're not. 
what happens is, is as you grow and as you go from that process of like princess in training, which is kind of like the solopreneur struggle and <laughs> to, to the queen of your business, your role changes and you start delegating the YouTube thumbnails out and the customer service out and other little things because you know where to sit in your genius zone and you sit on your throne. But it goes beyond entrepreneurship for crown yourself it, because I work with a lot of non-entrepreneurs or CEOs or directors of operations. And what it comes down to is really stepping into that position of being the leader of your life and owning your results positive and negative, not blaming yourself, but owning them. There's a big difference between ownership and blame. That's awesome. I'm glad you found your 10%. And there's so many people that do that where you know, they get to the top of the mountain, whatever goal they have, and they're, they're there and they're looking around and they go, I expected something more. And mm-hmm. it, it's strange because when others look at you and all of these great accomplishments that you've had in your life, it confuses people. They say, wait a minute, Kimberly, why aren't you just completely on top of the world doing cartwheels and all kinds of other fun things because you quote unquote made it. And you're like, well, there's something missing. It's not what I thought. It's like, you know, making a, you know, some type of a dish or you're making a a dessert or something like that. And you're like, it's missing something, but I can't grasp what it is. And so I know what that, that sensation is like. And like dark chocolate without the sea salt. Well, sure. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. That is an extreme um, correct analogy. Yes. Um, because I've had dark chocolate without sea salt and it's like, mm, yeah, it's okay. Sea salt, all of a sudden it just, it, it, it just hits and you're like, okay, yeah. this is much better. So when you, when you finally realized, okay, that, that 10% came in and I know you said it took a little while for you to get there. Mm-hmm. Did you look back on the other things that you've done and the Pilates, the screenwriting, all of these things and, and identify, you know, was the 10% anywhere in those things or were they always going to be just 90% no matter what? I'm just curious if you, if you reflected back on things going, okay, if I, if I knew this 10% element, would that have changed anything in my past? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's such a phenomenal question because, I look back and the common thread line has been the 10% is always transforming people's stories, but the modality of the, basically the vehicle to do it has changed. And that 10% really is like my genius zone is not, it's not 10 hours a day on set. It's not, just like, hey, okay, squeeze your abs here. Okay, engage here. Okay, give me 10 more. Like, that's, that's not, like, when you really see the, 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 the 10%, the 10% is always, has always been the mindset of how people think about their life, how people think about their bodies, how people think about their pain, how people think about their back pain or their business pain or whatever pain. And the mindset of shifting that, of transforming that into a different story. And that 10% has always been the through line, but it took some digging of me really discovering what it was that was the business that I'm really in and what it was that is that I do 
and can do for free. And that's what your genius zone is. Like you have your genius zone, which is the thing that you can do for free that you absolutely love that seems so easy that it's like it's effortless almost. And it goes against any sort of paradigm of hustle and hard work. And it's because it's like, it's fun. It's so easy for you that you're just in it. And when I learned what those were, I was like, oh, okay. Like I can do that, but will that build a business? And yeah, it will. And what the problem was is that a lot of, and with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with, they're the genius zone. It goes against all that plagiarized programming that says, um, you know, you have to really suffer and struggle to get your success and all of that, that indoctrinated programming that generally didn't come from somebody who was that satisfied or that fulfilled with what they were doing anyways, um, and probably made it to that top of the mountain and was missing that 10% because when you're really living in that space of your genius, of that thing that you do so freaking well and knowing yourself, that space is where you really reign. That's awesome. And, you know, my own career journey, I've had multiple careers as well and got to the top of the mountain went, "Mm, I don't like this mountain. And then you went on another mountain and then, and now, you know, the work that I'm doing now um, is, is definitely, I found my 10% and it it just, it just flows and uh, things, uh, things come almost effortlessly. There's some things that, yeah, of course, you know, there's effort and task and whatnot, but the things that have happened, even I'll be honest with you, even during this pandemic is nothing short of amazing. Because you would, yeah. you know, a, lot, a lot of people would, you know, the programming would think, oh, it's a pandemic. You're not going to be able to grow your business. You're not going to be able to do this. It's going to be bad and doom and gloom. And um, other than me, you know, watching the news occasionally and go, okay, yeah, there's a pandemic going on. And okay, I can't go inside of a restaurant and sit down. It's been, I don't want to say business as usual. It's business has been amazing. And yeah. um, it, it was because, the foundation work that I put in, I knew what needed to be done. And it's like, okay, let's operate in, you know, the sweet spot, my genius zone and do that stuff and delegate the rest because uh, that way you're not spending your time dealing with all of these little things, just focusing on your time. And um, it's amazing when people connect with that and it's great. Your organization helps them find that because I find, I'm sure, and you'd agree with this and love to hear your thoughts on this. I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs um, throw in the towel a little bit too early because they they can't approach that 10% because of the programming or the struggles or anything else. But, you know, why do you think so many people miss out on that 10% and, and, and get out of the business way too early? Fear. <laughs> I mean, it really is fear either sitting on your throne, metaphorically, or it's you. And it's a choice. I mean, one of my, one of my clients, she is a producer in Hollywood and like the industry shut down. (laughs) Like it wasn't just, Oh, it's like event planning. Like I had, um, at the same time I had an event planner, a producer in Hollywood and, um, a live course creator, and they all had to pivot their businesses within the pandemic. And they actually did better. (laughs) Like they actually did 
better through the pivot because it sparked that innovation. And I think that's also one of the things that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs is when you get hit with that failure or that outside circumstance that said that looks impossible. Like that's when innovation becomes a necessity. But I believe that innovation is always a necessity. And so it's always necessary to look at your business and at what you're doing from every single angle. I mean, one of the blessings that I have is I'm able to hold multiple perspectives at one time of like, okay, the pandemic hit and okay, yeah, I could see how people can be very scared of this. Um, Okay, but I also see how this could be really amazing um, for business owners and for people looking to have that kick in the pants to finally do that thing. Like I was on the, uh, a call with another woman the other day and she said, you know, the pandemic hit and she realized she didn't like the job that she was in anyways. <laughs> so, and she had saved up enough so that she's able to start a job and she was able to start a business and a podcast that she absolutely loves doing in a community. And it's because she was able to innovate and pivot. But I think a lot of times it really comes down to the mindset of the business owner of like, is this going to destroy you and define your identity? Or is this going to be another fun thing to play with and to innovate from and to allow yourself to do that, to be in that dance of learning and growth rather than that fixed mindedness of this is the way business is done and this is the way it should be done. And this is the way I've always done it. And thus, this is the way, like, if there's anything that counteracts this way, then I'm done. Well, that fixed mindedness is going to keep you really stuck rather than having the flexibility and that flow to be able to receive the information that you're given from external circumstances like a worldwide pandemic or riots or whatever, and then pivot. Like a, a good friend of mine, she had a coffee shop. And she pivoted during the pandemic to being a grocery store. And then like where you could come in and get takeaway coffee and then get a couple organic supplements. And it was focusing on organic brands. And then during the the riots, she had to close up because there was rioting on her street. And now she's pivoting into doing an online store instead. Like, but it allowed, it's having that flexibility to be able to say, okay, cool, here's this information. Am I going to let this information define me? Or am I going to let this information, am I going to be in this dance of allowing for that pivot? Am I going to allow myself to open up to curiosity rather than to steadfastness? in essence, or control? Because when you have curiosity versus control, curiosity is okay, cool. That happened. That information happened. Like when I had, when I was at my premiere and I was like, okay, 90% fulfilled. Cool. I'm curious as to why this is. And then I, it allowed the story to unfold of me discovering, oh my gosh, what I really love is transforming people's stories. What I really love is shifting the mindset of somebody so that they take different actions so that they get better results in their life. That that's what I really like. But I'm like, I wouldn't have had that had I not had that experience. And I wouldn't have had my business crown yourself if I hadn't been bought out of my first e-commerce company. Like, and that was a crushing defeat, which is why it took me a year and a half to really get a kick in the pants to go. And that kick in the pants was essentially getting pregnant uh, because nothing will motivate you faster than a child. Like, oh my goodness. Suddenly I was like, I need to shift this. 
And I knew I needed to shift my mindset. And I shifted it into really saying, you know what, that buyout, because I took that buyout, that external circumstance that happened to me as an identity failure, which then made me tepid and delaying on really doing anything in my business that put me out there or made me stand out because I was so scared. And then I realized I was pregnant. I was like, yeah, that ain't happening anymore. But I wouldn't have had that information had I not had a couple external events smack me in the face and say, hey, get your ish together and like, let's go. It's amazing how some of those events can kind of motivate you when you're like, I don't feel like doing this. And ironically, earlier today I was uh, being interviewed and one of the questions that they had asked me is, what would you tell your younger self? And now there's a lot of things I would tell my younger self. (laughs) But but the one thing that jumped out and you just mentioned the word was learn how to go with the flow. Because if you're going with the flow and you are actually truly going with it and you're in a calmer state, as you're flowing through it, you will see things. You will have clarity on things. And with clarity, you see opportunities. Things come up and you go, hmm, that might be something to pursue. And then the next thing you know, you are, you know, sitting in a client's office that is making you a ton of money that if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't even be in that office. You wouldn't even know that client had an issue or connecting with someone in Hollywood. I I love the coffee shop analogy. And there's a restaurant in Toronto that actually did that because for a while, you know, they didn't have at this particular restaurant, they didn't have any outside seating. So they were basically closed down. So they, they realized, okay, we've got freezers and freezers full of food. What are we going to do with this? So what they did is similar to, you see a lot of these, um, or, you know, meal plan order kits where you can do it. They did the same thing. They said, look, we've got this inventory of food in all in our warehouses, so let's make meal kits. So you can have our food at home. Here's the kits. Here's all the ingredients. Here's the instructions how to do it. Now, I don't think Kentucky Fried Chicken would ever do give away the Colonel Seeger recipe, but this restaurant did. It's like, here's the type of seasoning with it. If you can't find that, you can use this kind of seasoning if they didn't have it available. But they were able to pivot. And then as things started to open back up again, you know, they still offer it, but it's one of those things where a lot of businesses now have a new offering. They've actually grown their businesses. So when things open back up again and they get to whatever normal is going to look like, many of these organizations went from being, you know, one trick pony to having all this diverse offerings, which is going to bring in more customers and grow their business. And that wouldn't have happened if they didn't get kicked in the seat from a pandemic. They would have never said, hey, let's, let's have some meal kits. That would have never happened. Yeah. And, and having that mindset of innovation and really like weekly, even thinking, okay, what could we do in our, in our company? Like, this is a question that I pose to my team every week of like, what could we, what could we innovate? Like, what is a system that maybe we could make better? Like, how could we make this better? How could we make our enrollment process better for private clients? How can we serve our, our community better with a product or a program that would like, for example, I'm just launching a low cost membership because I know the power of the mindset 
And so I wanted to make it so easy and so accessible that's like almost a no-brainer that people who have been a little down on their luck during the pandemic can come in, they can get physical training and, and the mindset training to really get them that holistic success to where they're they're able to navigate those waters a little bit more and and flow with the river instead of like clinging to a rock on the side so scared that they're going to fall off a waterfall because when you flow with the river and you allow yourself to be part of the river even the waterfall is not fearing falling off the rocks that's where it naturally goes but then it goes into a beautiful pool and a lagoon and you're able to to flow from there into the ocean so i mean it the water constantly is moving but sometimes as humans we get so scared of like oh my gosh if i go with the flow then i'm just going to fall off these rocks and to my peril and i think of it like bungee jumping like it's that sort of feeling and i think this is a feeling that leaders really need to be keen on is where do you feel fear that stimulates growth and excitement and where do you feel the fear that's like that intuitive like don't do that like don't go there like and because you can logic yourself out of both our brains are super powerful especially if you're smart like so you can logic yourself out of both like choosing to stay in the gold coast of australia with my family um seemed crazy i mean and and i know now like when certain people in my in my uh family circles or who who follow me on Facebook say that you're going to do what that's crazy and here's all the things that could go wrong I'm like oh cool I'm doing something right <laughs> like there there's certain I'm like oh thank you for that feedback okay I know I'm on the right path because it a lot of times and this is something that I've heard countless times from my clients is their success normally comes after that I don't know how this is going to work out and I know this seems crazy but let's just give it a go and it's it's that after that next statement because that statement leaves you up for so much possibility it it leaves you open to surrendering the how which so many people get tripped up on yeah that's yeah i love the analogy you shared is like when someone says oh that's going to be all this it's going to be bad it's going to this it's like when people tell you to zig you should zag and and there's a book actually called Zag that kind of talks about that. Yep. But I, I found in my life that when I knew that, okay, a lot of people are telling me I shouldn't do this, but deep down I sense that I'm going to regret not doing this. It may blow up. Great. If it blows up, they can tell me, we told you so. Sure. Okay. That's fine. But I'd rather be in the game and, and get knocked down than to just stand on the sidelines and go, oh, I wonder if I'm ever going to play. I wonder what we're going to do. And it's just, that's what moves things forward. You think of all the innovations, all the inventions, everything that we're doing. Come on, Zoom, that we're using yeah. right now. Somebody took a risk and they said, you know what, we need to launch this. And I'm sure for the longest time, you know, there was a lot of money that they had to put into it, personal and everything else. It's obviously paid off for them now. And because half the planet, if not more, is using it now. Sometimes I always wonder, it's like, is this thing going to connect when I click OK? Uh, just <laughs> everybody's using it. It's like, it's like everybody's on the Internet if you, you know, in, in your building or something like, oh, man, I can't get anything fast. But long story short, you need to take the risks. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, your brain can talk you in and out of everything. And sometimes you have to tell the amygdala just to shut up and go with what you know your heart says. And what what is does this look good? Because you're going to go through unless you're just aimlessly just doing things without thinking about anything. You're going to go through a process of thinking things through. You're going to look and go, okay, well, there's this and there's this. I'd much rather go through life and do those things and have things fail than to not do anything and have regret. Because believe me, you blink and you go, how in the world did I get to this age? Um, and then I did the math and I go, okay, that's how I got to the age. But you you got to get into the game. And I, I, yeah. I find too many – it's weird – because so many, and I'm sure you see this with your clients, when they launched their business, they were gung-ho, this is going to change the world, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And somewhere along the lines, they get hit either by it's not happening fast enough or expectations or somebody said something or who knows what. And that's those are the, the barriers you got to punch through and, and just keep marching on. So I'm sure you see that with a lot of the people you talk with. Yeah, and it's... It's, you know, speaking of failure, my husband and I just recently watched um, First Man, the movie about Neil Armstrong with uh, Ryan Gosling in it. Fabulous movie. Because talk about failing forward. Like, failing forward in a situation where people died in order to get to the space over the course of, I think it was like eight years to get on the moon. Like, constant failure. And there was a quote that I was like... Oh my gosh. And I don't know if Neil Armstrong said it, but it was a fantastic quote in the movie. And Ryan Gosling says, well, as Neil Armstrong says in the film, he says, we need to fail down here. So we don't fail up there. Like failure is a part of it being down here, being in the practice runs, being in the test, like constantly allowing for that moment. The same is true for, you know, those, those, whatever Everest you're climbing, like wherever it is that you want to go to the failures that you have along the way, when you like that prevents you from that next failure. Like the thing that I loved about my e-commerce buyout from my partner is that it taught me so much about choosing a partner for your business, about aligning with partners with the same values. And it circled back because one of my clients was going through a, a difficult issue with her, uh, with her, with her partner, and they ended up going into a buyout. And I was able to coach her through that process from such a place of, of empathy and understanding, rather than from this space of like, okay, well, you know, let's think about this in a few different ways. But so there was a different dynamic and a different energy to that conversation, which made it so much more powerful. And she got through it so much faster than I did. Um, because of that and like looking at those failures that we have down here while we're in, you know, as we're climbing the failures that we're, we're having, those set us up for where we're going. Those allow us to have the certainty of our success. Those, those allow us to have that, that belief, that resilience that get, it's a muscle that has to be trained like every other muscle. Earlier today, I had another podcast interview, and the gentleman I interviewed said something similar to the you know keeping the failures down here, and and his quote was you know, keep the small problems small, 
don't let them snowball into a big problem or gather other small problems where it's this huge problem that you can't address because you don't know where to look. It's just so big. You're like, uh, where is this problem? We don't know where to even begin. So failing down here, uh, I love that quote. And I've seen that movie, but I forgot that quote. So when I watch it again, I'll have to look for it because that is an amazing quote. Um, uh, it sounds like something Armstrong would have said, but you know, uh, you know this in, in, in Hollywood, sometimes the screenwriter has to add you know, a few things to it to, to, to liven it up a little bit because sometimes life isn't as Hollywood-esque as, as the consumer would like it to be. Yeah, yeah, and I... I I, I the, the the thing like that movie had some really great ones and the greatest showman is like the movie of that's my favorite movie far done of just like some mass massive wisdom drops one of my favorites is men suffer far too more from imagining too little than imagining too much and it's so true the vision and and holding that certainty like so often if you're of the belief that you believe that your success is going to happen no matter what, then getting knocked down by a little failure, a little problem or something like that, it doesn't phase you as much because you're like, oh, I'm still going to be successful. But so often what happens is people take their failures like I did. And I know this from personal example, like as an identity crisis and they use that failure to define who they are and to question who they've been rather than using that failure as a learning lesson and really pulling all the lessons. And a lot of that comes from so much emotion going into that failure and repressed negative emotion going into that failure that it it infuses it with this b- b- identity and this belief that that's you. But it's not. So a part of my work with leaders is really pulling out and extracting those negative emotions so that they don't have that weight to the problems. Like there's a fantastic children's book called what, called what do you do with a problem? And I literally read this to my toddler, toddler every single night for months. And it's about this little boy and he finds out that he has a problem. And he has, he doesn't know what to do with it. And he tries to ignore it. He tries to hide from it. He tries to um, pretend like it doesn't exist. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and darker and darker and darker. And and at the, the end, at the tipping point, he realizes he has to be brave and he has to face it. And he faces this problem and he just, his world, like it's so, it's a magical book. His world changes when he sees the problem and he sees what's hidden inside, which is the opportunity for learning and growth. And so often we look at a problem from the perspective of the problem rather than from the perspective of if I'm looking at this from the future me a year from now, how would I look back on this problem? Would I look back and just kind of laugh at it? Like, be like, oh, that's so silly. Like, oh, remember that customer service issue. Okay. That was that was a good one. That was a good lesson. It allowed for us to have a new policy. Or oh, do you remember that that launch? Oh yeah, that bombed. Um, so that allowed for us to have a new launch strategy. Like it's that failing forward faster. And I think so many people have been stuck in this fixed mindedness about failure that 
it makes it, they make it an, an identity thing rather than a learning experience. You know, that children's book should be in the leadership section as well, because if leaders would recognize that within every problem, there is an opportunity and say, okay, what can we learn from this to do something better and more effective and efficient for who we serve, who we work with? Uh, It would be an amazing, amazing book to belong in the leadership section as well as the children's one. So, Oh yeah. The, the three, the, it had, the author did a series of three. It's what do you do with a problem? What do you do with an idea? And what do you do with a chance? And those three books are my favorite books. And I even recommend them to my clients. And I, <laughs> I, say, I tell them to read it out loud because your brain will recognize your own voice mm-hmm. to their dog or to their kids. But read it out loud because I'm learning every time I read it to my son. And he's learning every time he hears it from me. And so it's this great dance of continual repetition of the knowledge of trusting in your ideas, of allowing yourself to see the opportunity and problems of taking those chances, even though they scare you, even though you've fallen down. And, and it's like those, those three books, I recommend them. I give them to everyone. Like I could not be a bigger cheerleader for those books. That's awesome. I love this. So Kimberly, I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this incredible work that you do? Yeah, you can find out more about me at crownyourself.com. And if you love this interview, please take a screenshot of it, post it in your Insta stories, tag me on Instagram at Kimberly.Spencer. And I would love to see, uh, I would love to hear your breakthroughs, your breakaways, your ahas and your takeaways in my DMs. So you can hit me up on Instagram at Kimberly.Spencer and check out all of my awesome products and programs at crownyourself.com. That is awesome. And yes, I highly encourage everybody to do that. And I'll have that information in the show notes. So Kimberly, thanks so much again for this. I really appreciate you and, and this work that you're doing. It's uh, making a huge impact on the world. So thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.